banks get money from depositors. So the up and down increase in their stock price is not indicative of their regulatory health, of their financial health. It's only indicative of the market's perceived value of them, which in a rational market would be because someone says this company is going to make more or less money next year, stuff like that. Like logical financial-based decisions. But in this market, behavioral economics have taken over. And the parasitic cycle I was referring to is the news media reports on this bank could be in trouble. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's the higher standard, and we're still making fun of Arun. No, no, not we. Not we. You're still making fun of Arun. We. Wow. You decided, back. To, you decided to be anti-villain this episode? Wow, welcome back, everybody. Introduce yourself, goddammit. Yeah, my name is Saeed Omar. That over there is Chris Nahibi. Him <laughs> outside over there is Odin. We never do that. I just want to see if you do it if I told you to do it. <laughs> 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 All right, so this week, despite all the fun start, it is a shitty week. I'm just going to call it what it is. It was a shitty week. It's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. That, that is a technical term. I think Jerome Powell used it when he addressed everybody with his FOMC meeting debrief. Oh, we got to be careful, by the way. We have a, we had a listener. We had a listener tell us that they uh, listened to the show with their thirteen year old daughter. What a stud! Said what? him and his daughter look forward to every Tuesday and Friday. I didn't get his name, but whoever you are, we appreciate you. Whoever you are, you're a terrible human being. And well, your daughter. I mean, you, that was your cue to let us know who it was. Yeah, I don't know his name. Wow. I'm, I'm going to say this right now out the gate. Okay, I don't want to be a dick. I've gotten to the point now where I am so inundated, and a lot of this is is like current economy driven. Mm-hmm. I am so inundated with just text messages and Instagram stuff. Like oh. social media is taking a huge backseat for me right now. Wow. Like I don't have time to respond to like a lot of people. And whenever I respond, it's like 15, 20 at a time mm. and it's rapid fire. Really? Yeah. And I make the same dick joke to all of them and just move on. Personalize <laughs> the conversation. Personal, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this week, let's get right to it. The Dow has tumbled more than 300 points as the banking sector worries reignite before the Fed decision. And guess what? The Fed decision, well, 25 basis points you probably already heard. Mm-hmm. And then Jerome Powell comes out and says something like, oh, you know what? Bank sector's safe. Everything Liar. is fine. Liar. He's a lying piece of shit. Yeah. You're not fooling America. You're not fooling America. I do have a clip, which I did not put in the show notes, which I will send to Arun right now, that I do want to play of Jerome Powell's little speech. Afterwards? Shtick. I can't believe I can't believe all the major news outlets cut that part out. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> not, not that one. Not, not that one. An actual clip yeah. from him. There is an AI version cir- circulating the internet where he's like, I was wrong. Yeah. The bank sector is really fucked up, and uh, I'm just trying to get a better price on banks for my Uncle Jamie Diamond. Right. 
So we're going to talk about how all of this unfolded, what it did to the banking sector damn near two hours after Jerome Powell spoke. Right. It, like, because we'll get into it. Sorry. You're apologizing? Yeah. As you should, boy. Yeah. As you should. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about how all of this then pivots with the data that we have, like payroll and some of the regional banks and how they've closed and stock markets are moving as a result of all of it. Right. And some of the fallout that we've seen after all of this has happened. Yes. So, and for those of you who think, oh my God, this show's been really all about banking lately. You can thank the lo local media for that because that's all they've been talking about. That's all they're talking about. And on, quite frankly, like these are all signs of what's to come. Although I will say today, the rhetoric in the news was very different. And we'll end a little bit kind of later in the show about what that really is. But let's start with the warm up, warm up. Okay. Let's okay. start with what happened leading up to it. And before we get to this, Arun, let's go to the article that you just had up there on the left, the uh, Dow tumbling, right? Mm -hmm. So, as is common with most lead ups to a, an FOMC meeting, the market tries to price in what they think is going to be the interest rate increase. Right. Or cut. We just haven't experienced those in a while. Yes. Right. So, this article from CNBC came out said the Dow tumbles more than 300 points as the banking sector worries reignite before the Fed rate decision, and they had live updates. Right. Okay, so the entire regional bank sector took a pretty significant pounding. Mm -hmm. And you know me, I love poundings. But that being said, it, it was clearly different for regional banks than it was for the globally systematic important banks, the GSIBs. Mm -hmm. This from that same CNBC article. Stocks fell sharply Tuesday, led lower by declines in bank shares as traders braced for the latest Fed Reserve policy announcement. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 458 points, or 1.3%. The S&P 500 also slid by 1.3%, and the NASDAQ Composite dropped 1%. Mm -hmm. Small and large banks fell as traders questioned the future of some regional financial institutions after the crisis that engulfed Wall Street in March. There was a lot of bank runs in March for those of you who need to be reminded. Mm -hmm. Me personally, it was one of the scariest times in banking I'll never forget. Regional banks, PacWest and Western Alliance had trading paused after tumbling more than 20%. So I wanted to spend some time on this because these two names are going to come up a lot. Yes. Okay. So when a stock falls more than 20%, right. they will pause trading for a, a window of time and then reopen trading. Yep. And because these stocks had fallen that much, it was pretty bad. And this continued on during after hours trading after the Fed announcement, so mm -hmm. much so that I think at one point, PacWest was trading 60% below. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the market, let me explain what I mean by that, okay? So there's a normal in-business hours trading. If you're on the West Coast, the market closes at 1 o'clock. If you're on the East Coast, it closes at 4 p.m., okay? Right. That being said... After the close, you can still trade in after hours trading in kind of the, the let's call it the, we think what's going to happen tomorrow market, if you want to call it that. Right. Right. So it's not actively trading, but it's trading after the normal close of hours in the market. It is usually pretty indicative of what's going to happen the next morning when the stock market opens up again. Yes. So it traded down pretty aggressively. So then obviously we all know what happened. Arun, go back up to that original shot there. This was a screen grab from cnbc that exact same time that the fed announcement was made regional banks on the right fed funds indication on the left fed funds had 
been increased by 25 basis points. Saeed? Yes, sir. You knew. You said this was going to happen. It was absolutely something that I think was a foregone conclusion. Did you feel pretty comfortable with with what that was? Did you, did you um, feel... I was unhappy with the decision. Okay. Um, but I think it, it was already priced into the market. Everyone knew it was going to happen, right? Um, so this marked the 10th consecutive Fed meeting with the interest rate uh, increase. Where now we went from uh, 4.75 to 5% to now 5% to 5.25, right? At a, for the Fed's fund rate. This Fed fund rate target range lines up with what the officials' interest rate projections were back in March. So now we're finally within that target range. If you remember a couple months ago, the Fed released their SCP uh, report yep. that said that the Fed funds rate would be somewhere between 5.1 to 5.4%. So we're now officially there. Why people thought that they were going to pause here, I don't know. If Jerome Powell said that he wasn't he wasn't going to. FOMC members said that they weren't going to. But should they have? I mean, it's, it's starting to look like some of these regional banks aren't going to make it. So I can explain the why some people thought they were going to pause thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's a number of people that I think really had concerns of the impacts to the banking sector specifically. Yes. And I heard a great analogy the other day. I think this is pretty good. Someone said that the Fed funds rate and what the Fed is doing is like cooking on a hot pan on a stove, right? Mm -hmm. Just because you turn the heat off doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stop cooking. Right. And and the suggestion was, is that, yes, we've gotten Fed funds up over, you know, 5% of the time now, five and a quarter percent in a single year. Mm Mm-hmm. That should, in and of itself, be a, a pretty significant concern because it's going to keep cooking. The market's going to keep making moves well after this. Right. So we've already seen some numbers come down, but obviously jobs haven't pivoted down the way the Fed wants it to. Mm-hmm. And Jerome Powell seems hyper-focused on jobs as a proxy for is inflation moving the right way, in addition to the inflation number in and of, of itself, right? Yep. So I would say... And I don't mean this, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this is my initial thought. Okay. When I heard Powell in the conference, he almost sounded like a really brilliant autistic kid who couldn't think like with his emotions a little bit. He, he just seemed <laughs> like he seemed so hyper focused on what the law was and what his mandate was. I, have, I think I, I think I have, uh, you know, a reasoning as to why he was that way. Oh, give it to me. So, well, hold on a second. Before you do, Arun, I sent you and Saeed mm-hmm. uh, a text message of the audio clip that I want to play just after this. Mm-hmm. If you want to load that up, load that up. Uh, you can uh, airdrop it to the to the, the Mac. Yeah. So um, in the the previous meeting, he came out and this is the statement that he made that's been that's been going around. They're comparing, and we mentioned this. We said everyone's going to be hyper focused on what he's what he's going to say at the meeting, and he's very much aware of that. Right. Right. So. You got, you got to remember that whatever he says, everyone's hyper-focused on. Previously, he said there is some additional firming that could be done. That was at the last meeting. Okay, yeah. Okay? But see, you're, he's making people be so hyper-focused by not just saying, hey, we feel this type of way about it. Right. But, here, but here's, here's the concern. And I was gonna, we were going to get to this. Uh, I was going to get to this a little bit later, but we can get into it now since the conversation's here. Um, this time, he came out and said, the Fed is determining whether some additional firming would be appropriate. Now, this is the terminology that's been circling around, right? And what we do know is expectations of what the Fed is going to do, 
right, is really is what keeping treasury yields down. Okay. Yeah, but that's not a good thing, though. That's not a good thing. But in a normalized market, if the world hadn't gone completely fucking insane, I would say rates would probably be closer to 8%. Right can now. you, exactly. But can you imagine once expectations and sentiment go out the door? Because right now, so some of the. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're still. So we artificially kept rates low for 14 years. Yes. And now we're going to artificially we know keep this, things. But we know this because we're in the industry. Okay. But this, that's the problem, though, is that. You're now using America's lack of financial literacy and weaponizing against them by getting them to buy into your rhetoric instead of telling them straight up how it is and what they need to do. Right. And this is also the same stupid fucking reason mm -hmm. that consumer discretionary spending hasn't come in line. Well, and, and we're looking well, listen, at this like, we, like, like we're in the 1930s hold on, still. Hold on. I, I, I get your frustration, and I'm frustrated with it all too. But in, in that same breath, we got to also say, he has said, I'm holding rates all year. Okay, okay, but let's go through that. The market doesn't believe that. If so you look, there you go. If you look at the polls and the predictions of what he's... Right. They all think this has gotten so... And I got those predictions right here. This is what's crazy about it. Okay, good. Give it per, to me. Per the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, mm -hmm. in July, there's a 50% chance of a pivot. Yep. July. So in June, so the next FOMC meeting will be June 13th and 14th. Right, it's in because that the market knows the, the the pressures that we're experiencing right now. This is not sustainable. Right. Well, I'll be honest with you. I think he was dead ass wrong. You don't think it's sustainable though? Points. Okay, no. okay, but okay, but here, here, hear me out. So July, there's a fifty percent chance of a pivot. Okay, that's two FOMC meetings from now. At the next FOMC meeting, there will be another SEP report, mm -hmm. which will give them give you an idea of where they where they see projections again. Yeah. Okay. September, there's an 88% chance they pivot. According to the Mercantile Exchange. According to the yeah. Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Okay? But now this is, this is what, I, what I wanted to get into tonight. So did some digging and a little bit of research. That's the, never a good thing. Always a very good thing. <laughs> In 2000, when rates were at 6.5% and they paused, you know how long they paused for? Mm -mm. Seven months. Okay. In 2006 to 2007, when rates were high, you know how long they paused for and didn't cut? Seven months. 14 months. Damn it. In 2018, do you know how long they paused for? No idea. Eight months. Okay. I mean, why, why, why does the market think that we got to this high rate and we're just gonna we're just gonna slash them? Uh, no, 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 that's not what the market thinks. Okay. I, I understand where you're going and why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. But here's what I'll say. I think the market thinks the Fed fucked up. I think I think the market thinks they okay, it's consensus now that they waited a year too long. Yeah, I agree. Okay. We can agree on that. 100%. The market thinks he tried to increase rates way too fast in way too quick of a time to save face before an election in November 24. Right. Okay, so they think the pressure that is now... And here's what I'll say before I get there. They think the pressure that is now mounting is untenable. And I'll tell you, there's some things now that are different now than ever before in history that are being wildly underestimated. Mm -hmm. Number one, jobs right now, because of the ecosystem that we have where there's not an office job, I don't think they're being measured accurately, and I don't think the numbers that we have for jobs and employment are accurate like they used to be. I agree, because one thing that you got to remember, the unemployment numbers or like the job openings and whatnot, people aren't considered unemployed unless they file for unemployment. Exactly. And the way we calculated it has changed a couple of times in the last several years. Yeah. So now, not only are we calculating it differently, mm -hmm. but it's not accounting for technology. And we're looking at this from the opus of when these rules were put in place, you know, decades ago. Right. And then you layer in the fact that you now have retail traders, mm -hmm. the Robin Hood traders out there, which 
I'm not bastardizing or demonizing anybody, but you have mm -hmm. to understand they have real fucking impact. Right. They are real problems for the business. And when you're with GameStop or Bed Bath & Beyond, companies that frankly are likely to fail anyway because they were on the brink, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with you tearing them down and, and having put calls to drag them down or up because of Reddit forums, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you start doing it to banks that right. are healthy, where their stock price is not indicative of their financial strength, and I will explain all this later. Mm -hmm. Okay, you are now taking jobs People, institutions that circulate money to build businesses out of the economy for no more than your near-term, tiny financial gain. Absolutely, I agree. And the the other issue, though, with why I think that they're not going to cut rates anytime soon is because those three time periods that we just referenced didn't have inflation as high as we have now. You know, that's a fair that's a fair assessment. And I'm not saying that they are going to cut rates sooner than the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying the market doesn't believe a lot of what Powell's saying. So the idea that Powell should save face mm -hmm. or should relay communications because he wants to be overly communicative, but he doesn't mm -hmm. want the Fed to lose face. Right. You know what? I'll give you all, the listeners, mm -hmm. the opportunity to opine. Arun, play the clip, and we'll see what you think in the first couple seconds when he starts speaking. Right. Before discussing today's meeting, uh, let me comment briefly on recent developments in the banking sector. Conditions in that sector have broadly improved since early March, and the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. We will continue to monitor conditions in the sector. We're committed to learning the right lessons from this episode, and we'll work to prevent events like these from happening again. Hey, asshole, why don't you give us more detail <laughs> why you think the banking system is sound and resilient? Because on what I'm looking at, doesn't sound, look so sound and resilient. It doesn't. And and that and, and that's so you're talking about losing credibility. And I apologize. That video didn't come in through and high, I'm I'm on my mobile. My mobile phone just sucks, man. I need to upgrade to the 14. It's at the it, point in time where like Really? Yeah, it's like I lose service. I keep hanging up on people. That's not like, your phone though. And man. it's like even I, now when I send him the message, it can't tell you. Well you gotta get off cricket wireless. Between you and Adam, bro. All right. So the three statements he just said. Number one, conditions in that sector have broadly improved, speaking of banking, okay? Mm -hmm. Number two, the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. Number three, we will work to prevent events like these from happening again. And within two hours of this statement, yeah, within two hours, Western Alliance and PacWest went down off a cliff. They lost like 50% of their value. That will pack West is currently Alliance down 76%. Yeah. And Western Alliance down 57% in total. It's crazy. Pack West is at the point where they're exploring strategic options. No, no. So this was this was literally literally misunderstood by the entire fucking market. Are you sure? Because what Western Alliance is saying, because they got quoted the same thing and they're like, no, 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 not us. Yeah. So let me explain what happened here, because I'm sure a lot of people out there think the exact same thing. Number one, PacWest actually said on their earnings call, which I listen to. I'm a banker. I'm, a, I'm in, And their, their CFO is our former CFO. I, I know them well. Mm -hmm. That team is good. And I'll be frank here. Mm -hmm. First Republic was a well-run, well-regarded bank. So was Silicon Valley. Now I'm hearing some things about Silicon Valley. They didn't have contingency funding for liquidity and stuff like that. And right. if that's true, that's terrible. But First Republic certainly wasn't that way. I know the regulators. I know the people over there. I know everybody in that game. Right. They were a good bank. They got caught up with low rates because they didn't expect the Fed to take an unprecedented move. Fine. Yeah, I don't blame them for that. With PAC, I don't either. You, and, yeah. and honestly, the, the Fed's own interest rate risk stress testing required them to go to 4% right. as a maximum pivot in interest rates in a single year. And yet the Fed moved 5% and was like, oh, my God. 
<laughs> you get a surprise? <laughs> and I'm not trying to knock the fit. So again, we, we talk a lot about Jerome Powell. And it was unanimous, the decision. Right. Of the 12 I mean, when, if, people it, in the room, I mean, seven voting members unanimously voted. It's not Laker, just him. If the Lakers go down, we're, we're shitting on LeBron. He's the head. So we're going to shit on, the, on Jerome Powell. If the Lakers go down, I'll probably hear from you, and I won't be shitting on LeBron at what? all. Really? No. Yeah, no. You, well, you take that shot because you're, you're, you're a Jordan guy. He is one of the greatest of all time. He is. But I am always going to be a Jordan guy. I mean, that's not, you're not even being open-minded. You're like, I don't want to hear it. It's not that I'm not being open-minded. I think, look, I think Jordan put this very well. He said, look, man, you can't take players from different generations and truly compare them as apples to apples. Especially different positions. Different positions, different, different generations is very difficult. Right. So it's not a knock on LeBron. It's I grew up idolizing Jordan in my era. That was my generation. I'm not looking to replace him. And I don't really watch basketball anymore. Right. At all. <laughs> it's, Zero. It's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. I, I do this with you. <laughs> <laughs> you're my Jordan. <laughs> you're my Scotty. Yeah, you're my Scotty. So PacWest said on their earnings call three weeks ago, we are willing to explore, we are going to explore all strategic strategic options, including the possibility of a sale, if that's, a, if that's an option. Of a private rescue. Yeah. That was on their earnings call. Right. So for now, that same day that the Fed made this statement mm -hmm. and their stock price cratered two hours later. Right. Cratered. After hours, a story comes out about how PacWest is exploring strategic options and the short sellers jump all over it mm -hmm. and start trying to drive their stock down. Right. Infuriated me. I mean, just absolutely pissed me off to no end. So these are like short selling and the deposit outflows are the, are the two ways right now where banks could fail. No, short selling cannot cause a bank to fail. And I actually wrote a really great narrative about this because I was planning to go off and I wanted mm -hmm. to stay within the rails of not cussing out everybody. Really? Well, so I wrote, I wrote a little shtick. Well, okay, because I think I know where you're going with that. Do you want to go there now? or No, let me finish up what happened and we'll okay. set it up and then we'll go there after. How about that? Okay, yeah. You want to hold hands while we're doing it? Let's do it. Okay. All right, so <laughs> your hands are very soft. Like, come on, like, man. You lift weights? Uh, man, it's, it's my... Moist. It's, it's my They're moist. They it's, are moist. It's my skincare routine. You do not have a skincare routine. Come you on. take six showers a day, bro. You don't care about your skin. <laughs> you don't care about your skin. Yeah. All right. So PacWest said this on an earnings call three weeks ago. So the fact that it came out in a news article, I thought, this is a weird article. Well, it turns out Business Insider was the original first, first company to report on it. I don't know if you've been following Business Insider, but I would call them not an ideal journalistic outlet. Source, right. Got it. Yeah, they, uh, they can be bought and sold. And there's a lot of criticism about Business Insider, and, and it's not just me. There's other people that are pretty pissed off with them for that. And I've talked to PR firms mm -hmm. who've literally said we can get them to write anything we want. Why are they catching more shade than Forbes? They're not catching more. They're just catching a different type of shade. <laughs> you. you know, Forbes at one point in time had credibility. And I'll say, I'll, I'll still read a couple Forbes articles from time to time. But every time they're like, oh, you know, Kevin Williamson is a uh, 24-year-old yeah. Airbnb millionaire. And he'll yeah. tell you how he did it. I'm like, fuck you, Forbes. Yeah, man. Fuck you. Exactly. Anyway, so PacWest had already said this. And this article comes out. Well, it turns out they actually said, uh, I think it was today, that that was not only not true, that they didn't have in some internal conversation like that. Really? They had said it on a previous time. See, I thought I, I thought that was Western Alliance, not PacWest. Western Alliance did the exact same thing with the Financial Times, who reported negatively about them. And they went so far as to say, hey, we're handling the really challenging banking climate right now. Uh -huh. But when we're done, we're coming after you, Financial Times. And the reason why this is so important is, is because this parasitic cycle. Okay. 
So do they real quick? You because you know them probably much better than I do. Do they have similar exposure to venture capital as like First Republic and Silicon Valley Bank? PacWest does have some exposure to venture. So venture they, capital. They, they maybe that that was the interesting part because um I, there was a report that came out on PacWest today that their deposits totaled twenty eight billion, which was near their April levels. So they didn't experience a whole lot of outflow, uh, as much outflow as people may have thought they did. I mean, if you, for the you know normal like investor. If they're looking at their stock price, they're probably going to naturally assume, oh, their stock price is going down. They're probably losing all kinds of outflows, but that's not the case. So, no. So let, let, let's address this real quickly then, and let's, let's get this out of the way. I won't even go to the whole shtick. Fuck the rails. Let's go off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. So stock prices are relevant for a lot of reasons as an indicative, generally speaking, of future cash flow, future earnings. Yes. But they can be manipulated. They can be changed. And I'm going to post probably my, my little shtick that I wrote on social media as an educational tool for most people. But you have to understand that bank capital is not derived from the value of their stock. Right. Banks get money from depositors. Right. Okay. So the up and down increase in their stock price is not indicative of their regulatory health, of their financial health. It's only indicative of the market's perceived value of them, which in a rational market, Mm-hmm. would be because someone says this company is going to make more or less money next year and here's what their tangible book is and here's what they should be trading and stuff like that. Like right. logical financial-based decisions. But in this market, behavioral economics have taken over and the parasitic cycle I was referring to is the news media reports on on this bank could be in trouble, i.e. PacWest. Yes. Then social media magnifies this message. Right. And then guess what? Short sellers start selling, short selling the bank stock, meaning that they're betting the value will go down, continuing to drive the value down. Then Mm -hmm. guess what? The traditional news media picks it up again, then social media, then more short sellers, Mm -hmm. and it becomes this just tidal wave of reoccurring parasitic activity, right? just feeding value straight down for no other reason than it's in the news cycle. It's a very dangerous game. It's a very dangerous game. Somebody proposed today that you should not be allowed to short short sell banks, not because... The short-selling profits are a big problem, mm-hmm. but and they are a big problem. But because you're causing a run on banks, right? Because as as just as if I was somebody like I, I actually was having this discussion with a few cousins of mine, and they were asking me about the sector and they were they were about the banks, and they they don't know any better. And they said to them, if they see that their bank stock price is tumbling down seventy some mm-hmm. percent, even though the bank is still profitable even though they haven't experienced any outflows and deposits, yep. that that would scare the shit out of them and they would pull their money out the bank. So, yep. yes, I get it. Just because the stock price is going down, it doesn't mean that the bank is failing, but it could cause enough people to want to leave because they just don't know any better and they're afraid. But PacWest not only recovered all, you know, several billion dollars, I think a billion dollars and some change, but they had just come out with earnings a couple weeks earlier. So it's not like yeah, but people there had been a run. Earnings, bro. But they should. So here, I wrote this down, and I, I'll, I guess I'll read part of it. I have a modified version, which I'll post on social media, mm-hmm. and I think it might be helpful. So a bank stock price is not always indicative of its financial strength because stock prices are influenced by various factors beyond a bank's financial health, okay? Such as market condition, investor sentiment, and overall economic trends. Right. Okay? 
For example, if the stock market is experiencing a general downturn, the stock price of even a financially healthy bank may decrease, right? Because the market's taking a general downturn, you could get pulled down with the sector. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Not a big, whole, not a big deal. The whole sector's going down, not a big deal. Additionally, investor sentiment can be influenced by news and rumors, mm -hmm. which can also affect a bank's stock price. And that's this parasitic cycle that we're talking about. But it's not just news and rumors. It's news, rumors, and people trying to short sell the price down to make a profit on this price moving down. Think GameStop, think Bed Bath & Beyond. Moreover, a bank stock price is often forward-looking, which means that it reflects expectations of future earnings and growth potential, which again, is a fair criticism in the market right now because we know, mm -hmm. based on what we've seen and what we've experienced, what we've talked about on the show over and over again, right? Deposits in a bank's portfolio will reprice up almost overnight. Mm -hmm. People will call you up and be like, hey, the Fed increased rates, let's increase rates. People will say, hey, I'm getting 1% or less than 1% on my CD. I'm going to take the free break and I'm going to go put it in a CD for 5%. Yeah. And, and that's happening and it's just moving the needles. And as this happens in an unprecedented cadence in a year, mm -hmm. banks' deposit cost increases massively. Well, banks make money primarily on the net interest margin. The difference between what they're getting in deposit rates, I'm sorry, what they're getting in loan rates and what they're paying on deposit rates. Yep. Except when these banks have made billions of dollars of loans over the last 14 years, their weighted average rate of the loans in their portfolio is low because rates had been low for the last 14 years. Right. But when you move rates up 5% in a single year. For 10 consecutive meetings. You can't make enough loans in a single year mm -hmm. to move your weighted average of this now multi-billion dollar portfolio you, you grew over the last 14 years. Right. You don't. You can't move that number up high enough, so banks now are making significantly less money. So this is a valid criticism of banks. Yes. Okay, which I understand, but that just means their stock price should be lower. And if they're meeting earnings, First Republic, they beat their earnings expectation. Yeah. But they still traded to damn near zero. Yeah. Right? So that in and of itself is not the reason why these banks are failing. So it goes on. Even if a bank is currently financially strong, if investors perceive that its future earnings may be impacted by factors such as competition or regulatory changes or unprecedented moves by the Fed, it can lead to a decrease in the stock price. Mm -hmm. Everything up to this point is fair. Fine. So on the other hand, a bank may also engage in activities that artificially inflate its stock price, such as stock buybacks or other financial engineering strategies. So stock buybacks. Mm -hmm. If you're a bank right now, and you had a ton of extra profitability or a ton of extra capital in your books, you might want to say, hey, I'm going to buy back some extra stock and it'll artificially inflate the price a little bit because there's less stock out there mm -hmm. and the price kind of pivots upward. Or Except you want to retain all of the cash you can on your balance sheet, which is not an efficient use of your capital. Right, but for the time being, for the time being, cash if, is king. Cash is king because if people come knocking at your door and saying, hey, Chris, give me my deposits back, mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to make it. You want to be able to give that money out. You, yeah, you're going to need to. And the reason why that's so important mm -hmm. is because otherwise you're going to have to sell things like securities. Right. Well, we know with Silicon Valley Bank, their securities portfolio had billions of dollars in losses. And realized some of those unrealized losses. Exactly, because they had to sell securities they bought at a time when rates were way lower into a market where the same securities were priced much higher. Right. Not a, not a big deal if you don't have to realize them and you, you just hold them to maturity. Like all the loans right. on their books, right? Exactly. So you can see how this can be very problematic. But then again, you know what? Hey, it's all good. These banks can't deploy these strategies to increase their stock price because they're trying to hoard cash because they don't know what's going to happen. Because it's like Russian roulette, man. If your name pops up in the news, yeah, 
you're you're in this parasitic cycle and you're going to get a bank it. run possibly. It's true. You don't know. It's true. So I end the whole thing with, therefore, while a bank stock price can be a useful indicator of its financial strength, mm-hmm. it should not be the sole metric used to evaluate a bank's financial health. Other important factors to consider include the bank's balance sheet, income statement, and regulatory filings. Yeah. So let's just start with it. Balance sheet, income statement, regulatory filing. We talk all the time on the show, publicly traded companies, you should be looking at this information. Yes. Because it's really, really important for you to discern whether if you're going to put money into it, whether they're actually strong or not. Right. All this other stuff you're seeing in the news, how many times have you seen any news article as of late talking about banks reference their balance sheet? None. Reference their income statement. Reference their regulatory filings. You don't. You hear, oh, that bank's going to look at strategic options. You know what? Every board of directors and every set of executive management, every single bank has a fiduciary responsibility to look at strategic options. Yes. And for that to drive their stock price down as a symbol of weakness shows a fundamental lack of understanding of their responsibility as fiduciaries to the shareholder anyway. Mm-hmm. All banks across the country are always doing that, even Jamie Dimon. Yeah, exactly. At so, all times. But yet we're so focused on these things that we're driving prices down. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. And that's the other point too. Why is it only publicly traded banks that are getting hit? Regional non-publicly traded banks, you don't have to be publicly traded to be a bank. Right. They're not getting crushed the same way. Right. You want to know why? Short sellers can't trade them down. Exactly. It's true. So a listener, actually, one of our uh, uh, longtime listeners sent me an article that I think really plays into this as well. Not only is this parasitic cycle so damaging to you know the banking sector, but also the fact that we've now reached a point where digital banking is so important that depositors have such quick access mm-hmm. to their funds yep. that if they wanted to, they could just move their money out right away. Whereas and they do, whereas they do. back there was a long period of time where you know they would consider the relationships quote unquote sticky, where it would take you a while to have to transfer transfer. You physically funds. have to go to a branch, open right. an account, go to your branch. Transfer the money, right? And then you wait. But in this new, like in this new, you know, time that we're in, if there's a fear, hey man, I'm gonna log on right now and send all my money out. With banks that leverage Plaid, it's instant account verification, instant account funding. Right. You log into your, your new bank account that you just created online within minutes. Mm-hmm. Use Plaid. Links to your old bank account automatically pulls it over. Next morning, money comes out of your old account into your new account. Guess what? You're with the new bank. Right. I can't remember which article it was, but it's in the show notes. Check it out. And while you're there, you should probably leave us an honest five star review. A really, really, really honest five-star review. I mean, you can tell Chris is really worked up tonight. I'm a little worked up because this shit's so unbelievably infuriating. Mm-hmm. And here's the part that bothers me is there's there are thousands of, uh, and thousands of people at, at some of these banks all afraid that they're going to lose their job. Yeah, man. Getting calls from family. Hey, this guy right here. Yeah, I mean, getting calls from family, getting calls from friends. What's going on? I've heard X. I've heard Y. I've had to put out talking points, not for just client-facing employees, but for employees internally because I know their family's asking them questions. 100%. And I've now had to educate people on things, and it's so hard to say this, but it's true. So many fucking people you see on the news and in social media who act confident and who have good reputations and who seemingly know what they're talking about have absolutely jack shit idea of how banking works. Zero. None. Uh And you sit there and you get super frustrated that you were supposed to be a subject matter expert, and clearly you are lacking that expertise. And yet you want to sit on in front of a screen with a tie on and talk about how I'd be very worried if I were X, if I were Y. Now, I will say, 
Today's rhetoric was visibly different. Thank God. The traditional media has has pivoted, and they've started to focus on. Uh, I can't remember her name. Um, she's a former. Damn it, she was a former Fed head. I heard her. She was magnificent on CNBC today, saying, "Look, this is a clear lack of understanding of how banks work and short selling." working in tandem to drive values down and it scares customers. And she said, frankly, it should be illegal. I don't think you should be able to short sell bank socks and then create a run. And then you, she even went would, so far as to say it's, it's SEC stock price manipulation. You wouldn't believe this. I actually had a, uh, one of my neighbors come up to me the other day and he knows that I'm in banking and over the last like year or so. He's always asking me for tips. And he asked me, I want to ask you on, on some advice on which banks I should short sell. And I looked at, I looked and I was like, I can't believe you had the balls to ask me that question. I was so, I was so shocked. I was like, what do, you, what do you expect from me? I have some numbers from that later on. I'll tell you how much money's been traded. It's actually considering the national number of, of people and just the traders that are out there. I thought the number was actually somewhat underwhelming, but right. we'll get to that later. So the next article that I want to pull up is from Bloomberg Business Week. And this one, pissed me off to no end. Mm -hmm. I, I even went on social media and commented on it. So from Bloomberg Business Week, the article says, for banks under stress, there's a federal backstop that provides help without stigma. Right. A legacy of the depression created to support home ownership is now a linchpin of the broader funding market. And it shows the FHLB, federal home loan banks, right. a fire and the Fed being the fire truck is going to come save the day. I was fucking heated when i saw this yeah yeah i had to be somewhere and i was like nope i'm going on social media and this is exactly the problem with what's going on right now this is exactly the rhetoric that's causing so many problems for everybody else and so number one fhlb is one type of line of credit that banks can get they pledge their underlying collateral which is notes so if i make a multifamily apartment loan yes and i've got a five million dollar loan to that apartment loan right Right, I can pledge it to the Federal Home Loan Bank, and they will give me a percentage of that loan back in capital to access in the form of a line of credit. Let's right. just say you get fifty percent of that, you get two point five million back, and then you pledge your interest in that note to the FHLB. Right, that has been around again since the Depression, and it's it's a great tool for a line of credit. Right, but it's not something that's a that's stigma is irrelevant to this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Banks typically always pledge assets to have a greater line of credit to use at any point in time. Now, my understanding is that this was what Silicon Valley Bank didn't have. They didn't have this in place. All banks should have a contingency funding plan. Absolutely. In a worst case event that you, know, you have a bank run, where can we tap to get extra liquidity? This is usually the number one part of that contingency just another funding plan. Just another insurance plan. Yeah, you can tap a line of credit. Now, the Fed term window came out. And they did something special during this last couple of months saying, okay, the Fed said, okay, I know you pledged the FHLB, but guess what? If you pledge to us, we'll give you par value. I saw that. So you're not going to, we're not going to give you a discount based on what those loans be worth today. We're going to give you what your original value was, regardless of what the rates would be in the current market. Very generous. Very generous. But you have to understand too, banks have to now de-pledge the FHLB and then re-pledge to, to the, the Fed window. And there's a bit of a stigma to using the Fed window. You have to disclose it. So this article in and of itself shows a, a widely misunderstood 
lack of how money management works in the banking system, yet they're presenting it like, oh, banks could have done this, and here's the Fed as a fire truck, could have put out the fires, but there's yeah. this big bucket of water that was there. And it's like, no, dude. Let's not, let's like, not get confused why we're here. Yeah, we're yeah. here because the Fed took an unprecedented set of circumstances. And frankly, I'm going to call it out right now. Mm -hmm. And I love the Fed. I love There's tons of people over there. I have tons of respect for them. And this is not just Jerome Powell. There's clearly seven other voting members or six other voting members of the FOMC. Right. Fair Open Market Committee. Not so fair now. <laughs> right. Well, this didn't have to be done in a single year. We had normal recessionary economies last seven to 10 years from trough to trough, peak to peak. Mm -hmm. Right. Why we thought we could undo 14 years, almost 15 years of artificial interest rate deflation in a single year yeah. is beyond me. We should have known it was going to take a prolonged period of time and it was going to be more painful for longer. So what would you but say? We should have accepted that. But what would you say if the concern was data shows that if we would have taken a slower approach, this would have dragged out for even longer? If there is data to that point. Mm -hmm. Why hasn't it been pre presented? And as somebody who looks at data constantly in this sector, well, we haven't I've had, seen nothing. Well, we haven't had inflation this high in over 40 years. Okay, if they were that scared of, I think what you're referring to is hyperinflation. No, not things. just not, not hyperinflation. Just inflation hasn't been this high right now yeah. in, in over 40 years. That's true, but it has been this high before. And, and what did they do, though, in the 80s? They did not raise rates this fast. They didn't raise it this fast, but how high did they get? And how slow was the burn? Yeah, they got higher. And they got and, a double-dip recession. But look, that still would have preserved more jobs mm -hmm. than what we're doing right now. And a double-dip recession is not, frankly, I think we're already in a double-dip recession. Mm -hmm. I think the first part was January 1, that's 2022. True. Yeah, that's true. And I think we're going through a second one right now. Just I because think, it's not de wasn't declared doesn't yeah. mean we weren't in one. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they won't declare one. Right. So I, I think we already have that. Right. So, I mean, look, and, and again, that, that's the part of the National Bureau of Economic Research. I'll be clear. Let, let's do this. National Bureau of Economic Research has had over a year, over a year, almost 18 months now, yeah. to declare the first part of that recession. They've said nothing. Right. They haven't said it wasn't a recession. They haven't said that it was a recession. Right. Silence is a very interesting thing to communicate. Right. They're looking at all this shit going like, damn, we're going to need more time. Uh, I want to, I maybe in my, the next episode, I'll do a deep dive onto how, how long did it take for them to declare the last recession? 18 months. So we're there. Yep. Where y'all at? Declare, declare it not a recession. Declare something. I, I don't I declare don't your love for that. the higher standard something they should you know call us the 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 true noriel rubini oh, the, the bad boys of the economy the, the boom boom room podcast we we could fit boom boom room above this right yeah because well, you got the boom i got the boom don't point at your crotch when you say that to me <laughs> don't do that do i have the boom <laughs> yeah it was the boom 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 room <laughs> yeah but yours is physical there's a difference yeah exactly <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know, man, like where this goes from here. Look, at, at his press conference, he left the door open for a pause at the next meeting in June. Did you watch the conference? I did. So the second, the second person that asked him a question, I think she was from the Financial Times. I don't remember where she was from. Very good question. She said, you know, Secretary Powell, do you have concerns? Why'd you laugh? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, like, I'm, just I'm just thinking about. Him, like, and what he's thinking in that moment, like, do I have concerns? Yes, bitch. I have a lot of concerns. See, but I would, I would, he's so unemotional, so. He has to be. What do you want him okay, to be emotional? You know what he said in the conference that pissed me off to no end? He's, he was like, so I'll, I'll give you the question and the answer, and then I'll, I'll explain. So she asked, hey, you know, you just sold 
one of the larger banks in the country to the largest bank in the country. Like, doesn't that concern you? Yeah. That you're effectively creating monopolies. And he basically said, the FDIC handles that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you put them in the position to handle that. True. And then he said, they have to go by the law, which is the sale, which creates the less financial obligation to the taxpayers. Yeah. I mean, there's very few which banks. Which is the highest bid. There's very few banks that are positioned well enough to do that. But he basically said, if you don't like the way that process works, you know, you could change the law. And I'm like, bro. Come on. Like, what kind of, like, how fucking disassociated are you with the impacts to this? It's so fucked. It's so fucked. And I'm sitting here, and I know everybody, it can be easy for anybody listening to this to go, you know what? Chris is a banker. They started a regional community bank. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just being whiny because it affects him now. No, oh, no, I'm no, not. no, 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 no. You guys, what you don't understand is the rippling effects that this is going to have. So, like we said, Pain for the banks is in a rising interest rate market. Mm-hmm. If this shit pauses in June, I hope everyone else gets ready. Buckle up. Yeah. Buckle up. Because let me tell you right now, it's not going to be a fun experience for you when you get in your proctology exams. <laughs> no. When you're on the other side of this going, damn, Chris was right. And, and when they hold that proctology exam. Oh, they, yeah. they hold it. Saeed can't do very many things very well. <laughs> but one thing he can do well is he can hold for a very long time. <laughs> what? what is that supposed to mean? You said when they hold like it. hold up on the pull bar, I can hold for a long time? You can take that to mean whatever you would like it to mean. Who do you think went in a contest holding their body weight on the pull-up bar? Pull-up bars? Me or you. Okay, I'm going to admit this to you. I don't, I don't want to do this, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be forthcoming with information. Uh-huh. Because I know what I'm going to say afterwards is going to hurt your feelings. Okay? Fuck. <laughs> I used to be able to like rep pull up so much that I had like a weighted, I had oh, like a yeah, chain yeah. belt thing that I put like weights on. Oh, so fancy. And I keep doing, yeah, I, I felt, I wish I could get back to that. I, I tried to do a pull up today. Yeah. Damn near pulled a muscle in my ass. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. Yeah, that <laughs> like, like everything was so tightened and stressed that it just was like ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just right down. Like, you know what I mean? It was, I am, I am, I am not in shape to do a pull up. Although I can. Deadlifts and squat, and I can do all the thing, a lot of the things that I used to be able to do. I, yeah, I cannot man. do a pull. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the function, or maybe just it's, it's too heavy. Yeah. So I do have a bone to pick with you. So um, I, I was going to be very forthcoming with you too. No, 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 no. I'm not giving you that opportunity. No. <laughs> I gave. No, I you came. Not, to, you, I, you hold do on. Not get this. He doesn't even know yet. He doesn't know. No. Okay, Arun, because... buckle up, brother. <laughs> You're going to meet my little friend called hypocrisy tonight. Okay. <laughs> This guy's a piece of shit, and nah, I'm going to tell you why. We, we all know that. No, no, no. Hold you on. don't know the level of piece Wait, of shitness that's coming. Hold on. Hold on. Before you do so, was I forthcoming to you with that information? You were. And then you looked at me with like these puppy dog eyes, like hoping that I wasn't going to tear you a new asshole. I'm telling you right now, you hoped wrong. I deserve it. I am, I am much I knew, pettier than you I want you. I want to you to know, when I did it, I knew what I was doing. Okay. So for a little bit of a refresher... For those of you who do not listen to every single show, A, shame on you, and B, the last show, I showed all of you a picture that I thought of a haircut would look pretty interesting. And I'm trying to support Saeed, who has now come to a position in his life where he said, I'm not going to get haircuts anymore. So I said, okay, fine, I'm going to support you, and I'm not going to pay for haircuts either. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he has since buzzed his head. I thought, oh, I'm just going to grow my hair out long. And I sent a picture of an actor, I don't know who he is. Is the guy? Is one? Of, it's like the dad from the show This Is Us or something like that. That's what one of our coworkers today was telling me. Uh, no, that's not that. Yeah, that's he's not, in the show. That's that guy. It, I, I, I don't even know. So he has longer hair. 
And I thought, okay, well, I'll grow my hair. I'll try to be like that. And Saeed instantly shot it down, basically saying that I had too fat of a face to pull that look off. So, that wasn't the only you reason. You said his, okay, what was the other, there was other reasons. Please share, enlighten us with the other reasons. I just, I just don't, I just don't feel as though you, it would work for you. That's shit. It okay. just does, doesn't, doesn't go with. You also said that he was a much better looking man than me. I mean, yeah, man. Are you going to deny that? Yes, I am. <laughs> Come yes, on. I am. Okay. Well, the and good I- news is, is karma is is here, and I'm going to let you embarrass yourself. Yeah. So when you went to get your haircut today, what, what who who did you pull up as a reference point for the haircut that you wanted? You thought you could pull. So, dude, I sent I sent you um I sent you the picture that I showed my barber. You could go ahead and put it up on the screen if you got it. Did you get it? Really, bro? Yeah. So, really, bro. So I go, hey, barber, I want to change my look for the summer. I want to go to a more of a, a buzz look, but I want to go for like that natural buzz look. I don't want it to be I don't know, any hard line fades or anything. So here's uh, a picture of Paul fucking Walker. <laughs> Paul Walker, you piece of shit. So, and then he had the balls when I said, bro, you're going to give me shit because my face isn't chiseled, but then you're going to say, you want to look like this guy who's arguably one of the best looking fucking dudes ever lived? Yeah. And he's like, his face isn't that chiseled, bro. Yeah. Does this man not look with it? You think, stop. Stop. No, don't do the duck face <laughs> thing again. <laughs> hey, man, listen. That's so duck face I, for I want, two episodes in a I row. Want, I wanted a more natural buzz cut look. And look, I got it today and I'm even rocking a hat. Oh, I'm sick. Shut up. Oh, you know what? You're right. You look just like Paul Walker. Thanks, man. Wow, I can't even tell the difference. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that. The Afghan Paul Walker. That's that's what I go. I'll give you this. You have the density to pull. I am off the, the Paul. Hair. I am the Paul Walker of podcasting. That's that's what, what I'm doing. You're more like the Paul Wall of podcasting. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. You, well done. <laughs> trying to get my dirty South references <laughs> in while I can. <laughs> yeah. Sipping sideways. All so right. Anyways, I showed the I showed the barber, and the barber said, "You know, you don't look like that, right?" Yeah. Yeah. So the next article is from Reuters. Titled Exclusive U.S. Officials Assessing Possible, quote, Manipulation, end quote, on banking shares, according to a source. The same source said Saeed looks like a jackass. Yeah. Your haircut's terrible. Right. More ways than one. I do look like a jackass. face. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm getting there. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't do the <laughs> Between your duck face and the titty popping in the studio, like this is becoming a very awkward relationship for me. (laughs) All right. This from the article, shares of regional banks resumed their slide this week after the collapse of First Republic Bank, the third U.S. mid-sized lender to fail in two months. Mm. Now, as a bit of a reminder, the third mid-sized lender to fail in the last two months, since March till now, First Republic, right? First Republic. They were, the, they were the 14th largest bank in the U.S. But the Fed secretary said conditions in that sector have broadly improved. The U.S. banking system is sound and resilient, mm-hmm. and we will work to prevent events like this I think from I heard happening. It, I think I heard again. him say in the meeting, like, after First Republic went down, we can now put a line under banks failing. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Oh, yeah. He, he said all that. Yeah. Why? Like, in what world, dude? So after this happened, short sellers raked in $378.9 million in paper profits on Thursday alone from betting against certain regional banks, according to analytics firm Ortex. So again, that doesn't sound huge to me, given the amount of of trading that you saw and the trading volumes in these stocks are massive. But Mm -hmm. in just Thursday. So explain to people how if someone, if someone, how do they even make money on short selling? Basically, you're selling and buying a contract at the same time. You're effectively, 
it's betting is what you're doing. And I'm not going to get into the whole technicality of how it works because I don't want to teach people how to do this. I know, I know. I, but but the, what I'm, the people are basically doing is they're betting on the price going down. Yeah. So they're buying and selling the future option to sell that contract at a price. And when they do that, and when it goes selling, down, they rebuy it again. Exactly. So right. they, they wind up making money on the way down. And you can, yeah. you, you can buy stock hoping that it goes up or you can buy stock hoping that it goes down. It's as simple right. as that. It's wild, man. So short selling, and to answer your question, Mm-hmm. in which investors sell borrowed securities and aim to buy these back at a lower price to pa- to pocket the difference is not illegal and considered part of a healthy market. But manipulating stock prices, which the SEC has defined as the intentional or willful conduct designed to deceive or defraud investors by controlling or artificially affecting stock price is. Mm-hmm. So again, nothing wrong with short selling, but when you're on Reddit forums and you're on Twitter and you guys are getting in groups strategically trying to drive the right. price down to improve your short sell. Right. Now you're a piece of shit criminal. Right. Exactly. Did I mince words piece, there? Are we clear on yeah, the, the word? Piece of shit criminal. Piece of shit criminal. Yeah. P O S C. Yeah. So, no, S P O S. Piece of shit criminal. S P F. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Sam Beckman fried. Yeah. Read. Read. Well, he's going to be fried soon anyway. And he's not going to be freed. Yeah. Ah. The increased short selling activity has triggered some calls for a temporary ban, but an SEC official told Reuters on Wednesday the agency was not currently contemplating such a move. But I wouldn't take that with a grain of salt because even though they're not currently contemplating such a move, Reuters was the same national outlet that reported on PacWest, which we now know is really a reverberation of a Business Insider article and right. not true. Right. So I, I mean, don't know if you can really believe people, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so I guess to bring that back into the next FOM, FOMC meeting. So when this ep- at tomorrow, actually, today's Thursday, uh, May 4th. Um, May the 4th be with you, brother. I hate that so much. What? Because he's not a tourist fan. We get those emails at work. May the 4th be with you. What are we doing, guys? Okay. Hold on a second. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're still of the generation where Star Wars should have been an impactful movie in your lifetime. I had a friend. No, you don't have any friends. I don't. I had a friend. Past tense. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Had a friend that introduced me to Star Wars. Uh-huh. He made me sit down and watch all six in the right order. So three or four, five, six, one, two, three. Right? Well, the right order is one, two, three, four, five, six. But again, okay. Yeah. But that's the way. That's not the right order. Everyone's giggling like a school girl back there. <laughs> but but that's not the way they came out. Yeah, but that's not the right order. You said the right order. Oh, the right. Why did I you mean, say the order they came out? And the, the order that they came out. Of that I guess I thought if you're a purist, maybe that's why you don't like this movie. If you're a purist, maybe you'd want to watch it the way it came out. Bro, my four year old son likes Star Wars. Yeah, bro. Obviously, it's got like, and he can count one to six. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you made me watch it all in one weekend. And I was like, man, this is this is a lot for me to buy into. This is a lot a lot of stuff that can't happen. What do you mean can't happen? That, that shit's not real, bro. You've never taken like a really big number two and felt like the force? <laughs> no? No. You never made Yoda sounds? No. <laughs> I love Yoda though. I'll say I do love Yoda. I, I get, of course I, you do. I it's get the, the only other guy Yoda. on the show who has an AARP card as bad as you. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Yoda. I don't get the draw for uh, Anakin. I don't get it. Yeah, he was a badass man. He weak. became Darth. I mean, I'm more, I'm more of an Obi guy. 
Obi Juan. Yeah, that's my guy. Because you like Latinos. <laughs> well, I love I love all Latinos. <laughs> Obi Juan. <laughs> Don't do that. You can't do that. So there is a Wes Anderson like fake trailer of Star Wars coming out. Oh, okay. Uh, other things are coming out. It's been making the rounds on social media, which has been hilarious. Mm-hmm. And Owen Wilson is Darth Vader, and they, they say, "And Owen Wilson is Darth Vader." And he goes, "Wow." Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> if, you, if you get a chance, like find that. We maybe we'll end the show on it or something like that. But it's it's pretty dope. I can so, find it. So before I was so rudely interrupted with Star I, Wars, I didn't realize you were rudely interrupted, she saying that you didn't like a made, national made pastime. May the fourth be with you tomorrow. So you don't like Cinco de Mayo then too? You racist? Uh, I fuck? love Cinco de Mayo. It's my wife's birthday. Okay, that's not you because you that's love why. the holiday. You no, like the fifth of May. It makes it makes holiday. it very easy not to forget. Oh God. <laughs> Do you eat tacos or not, bro? On on Cinco de Mayo? Yeah. No. Okay, that makes you a racist. Why? You have to eat tacos on Cinco de Mayo. We eat tacos every Tuesday. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. No, you don't. I'll eat tacos. That's true. So you wait, More you... times than not, I'll say. Not every Tuesday. Wait, you at home? Yeah, we we make tacos every Tuesday. She makes some, including with... these alleged meal prep days. Yeah, she makes them with Whoa, these. Oh, don't yeah, Passover. I forget what kind of wraps they are. They're not actual. Uh... They're not tortillas, so it's out the option. Odin, do you remember what, what they're called? Why would he be eating healthy option tortillas? <laughs> I have no idea. Those fiber wow. protein ones? Yeah, what a, what a, no, no, it was the, uh, I can't remember what kind it was. It was like, almost like a radish paper kind. Arun, please, man, as, as my friend, please, just work out, put your watch back on. Yeah, why have you stopped wearing your watch? Please don't do this to me. I don't want to be this guy for you. You look at your watch every day. You do. I really you, don't. And it says, you know what time it is? Time to work out. Yeah, if you you know if you wore your watch, you would uh, you'd be on like you'd answer more. I always text and call this guy. He never answers on the first call. So this is my problem with watches now. Like as much as I would like the idea of wearing like a big gold Rolex, you know, no disrespect to anybody who likes that. I like having like alerts on my wrist. I love, I love, I'm, I know my wife and I have this discussion. She's like, I don't want to be that connected. I want to be disconnected. No, I don't. I want. I, I, I want to be as connected as possible. I want to yeah. be interwoven. That's my allure. Yeah, as I'm responsive. <laughs> I love. My Apple Watch. Really? Love it. So you do respond pretty regularly whenever I message. Yes. My little brother's got an Apple Watch. That motherfucker never responds. You know, you know what that means? Leaves my ass on red. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I get the whole treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll call you back when I want to. Right. I hate Or they that. play the whole games. I love, I love the whole games. What are the whole games? Where you take a long time to call somebody back because you're legitimately busy and got, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a bank to run or something like that. <laughs> right? And then, and then you call them back and then, and then like, they don't answer and they'll call you back the same time that it took you to call them back. Oh, like you time, you see the time. Oh, whole man. Games. I hate, people play these. I don't, oh, I, I, I don't even have the time to analyze these Those games. Those are like dating one-on-one games. Oh, shit. Billy called you two days after the first date? Yeah. yeah you can't return his call for two days. Wow. Oh, yeah. See, I never. I think, thankfully, I never had to mess around with all that. I mean, I didn't have to either. I mean, I was so goddamn sexy, and my face was so chiseled back then that not only could I pull off the longer <laughs> you, hair look, you, you but re, you retraded Joe now or what? No, nah, <laughs> you kind of retraded Joe now. You chiseled back then, not anymore. No, actually, see, I was. I've always been this fat, so like I've stayed the same. I, the bar hasn't changed very much for me, bro. I, I married my wife. Let me tell you, there, there's some changes for both of us. It's not. It's not. It's not one way. Okay. So my, when I first met my wife. She had longer hair. She cut it short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, that's weird. 
Really? And, you don't like short hair? Huh? You don't like short hair? I actually like my wife's short hair. And she now she wants to grow it back long again. No, like, no, there's a lot of change. Like, it, it, my wife aesthetically it still looks like she's 12 years old. It's, um, it's, she looks in, like an amazing shape. It's, your it's, wife looks like she's 12 years okay, old. Okay, I was saying she's Wow, hold on, hold on. Let's unpack I, this. I recant the so, statement. Your wife, my wife lo looks young, okay? <laughs> Don't 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 get us canceled for this shit. Okay, I made it. I, I, it was a faux pas, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing you to clarify. I'm, I'm clarifying. My wife looks very young. Okay. okay, she's Asian. That's what happened. Of legal age. Yeah, I mean, she keeps telling me they're gonna get to that age where she just looks super old. So right. I'm just trying to figure out what it is so I can plan for it mentally. Yeah. <laughs> but then I thought to myself, like, before testosterone. I mean, it's so bad now where I look at old photos of me before testosterone, and I was I was getting fat anyway because I stopped working out, but the testosterone certainly didn't help. I got like buff, buffy fat, yeah. which is like puffy fat. You know uh, what's his name? Brendan Shop was complaining that uh, TRT made his face his head bigger. Uh, at least that's what he that's what he said. How he said he felt, and I think Rogan also agreed with him. Like, yeah, that's a thing. I don't know that it made my head bigger, but I'll tell you, it made my hair transplant made my head bigger. Like my hats that I had, like like fitted sizes yeah didn't fit anymore i had to go buy new hats no i think that's just the extra density in your hair bro i, I was thinning i didn't have like no hair oh okay don't paint this fucked up picture bro well, hold on wait what? i'm trying to you son of a bitch okay i gotta let's stop get back on track let's like, get back you, you say very hurtful shit on the show <laughs> i go home and like i complain to my wife like say said a lot of more mean shit to me tonight wow like honey my face is like jawline is chiseled right <laughs> yeah between her telling me i fart in my sleep and this shit i have low self-esteem bro you fart in your sleep oh yeah human all you all we all fart in our sleep arun definitely farts in his sleep <laughs> why you gotta bring this poor guy into it because he's honest you're not you're such a mean guy you're, you that's why you probably shower nice so you can get all that farting out before you go to bed <laughs> i can't hear all dude laughing in the background all those moist shower farts that's not Ew, bro. <laughs> oh man that's all you dude. all me you don't come on a room blow oh. So you got gout, you got arthritis, and you don't fart? No, of course I fart. But okay, is the moist ones. Yeah, uh, because I had laser ass hair removal. Uh, we're not doing this. We, 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 Why are you trying to stigmatize something that's a very natural? There's no I wish filter coming out. It's not about being having a filter. It's about being honest. Like let's be transparent with like the things that you do. Why do men get like a bad stigma because you wanted that you want to personally groom yourself? Oh, there's no bad stigma for that. Okay, so I had laser hair removal on my ass. Look at my face when I say it to you. It's not funny. It's not funny, bro. It's not. Come on, man. It's not funny. I don't have hair on my arms. Look, look, look at my legs. No hair. <laughs> you you are extremely uh, hairless. I'm hairless, bro. Yeah. And let me tell you, if a woman were to come in and like, and she would be hairless, you wouldn't say a word. But I do it. And you judge the shit out of me. How do I have more hair on my knuckles than you do on your entire body? <laughs> Let me tell you right now. There was a period of my life where I was shaving my knuckles. I felt like a caveman. Yeah. It was, I, I, had to, I had to get rid of all You're that. You're making yeah. me want to sit on my hands. Well, I also, well, I also had third-degree burns on my right hand. So my, my this one finger, my, oh, my okay. index finger, didn't grow hair. Oh. So it looked very off. Me too. Yeah, yeah, so you were just trying to match that one finger. Yeah. With my whole body, yeah. Okay. Makes sense I now. It's had, all. I also had third degree burns in my right leg from my knee to you know, kind of my groin region. So, jeez, bro. Yeah. Oh. You know now. Now you feel like a piece of shit. I don't do. You? I'm an asshole. You are. I've been trying to tell you you're a villain for the last several shows. I'm glad you at least come to. Come so, to so tomorrow will be May fifth. Cinco de Mayo, aka your amazing wife's birthday. The Happy best. birthday! How the are? best wife's birthday? Yes. And Arun's sister. Yes, Arun's sister. I don't know if the listeners know that. Tomorrow, jobs report comes out. That'll be big. Yeah, that'll be big. Because private payrolls came out. Not so good. 
Yeah, you know, came down a little bit, but still not so good. I never actually looked at this article. So what are the numbers? Hit me with it. Yeah, okay, so we still have. Remember, there was a point in time not too long ago where there was one point nine job openings for every unemployed person. I know two jobs for everyone. We're now down person. to one point six. Okay. Okay. So at least it's coming down. But private payroll rose two hundred ninety six thousand jobs in April. The estimates were one hundred thirty three thousand. Mm. More than double. You want to know some of some of those fields that uh, had some? Um, if you say construction, I'm gonna slap somebody. Yeah, so construction Son gained fifty three thousand jobs. How I don't understand what's going on. It make that makes zero sense. No sense. Uh, leisure and hospitality, one hundred fifty four thousand. Dude, some of these some of these sectors are gonna get hit way late, dude. And it's so obvious. Yeah, it's coming. People uh, are like, "Oh man, Chris, you just care about the banking sector." No, bro, like, this is gonna come to your backyard, right? Leisure and hospitality up 154,000. Education and health services, 69,000. Construction, as we mentioned, 53,000. The financial sector lost 28,000. You know, that number seems really low compared to all the media covers that it's getting. Yeah. Manufacturing lost 38,000. Hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. And this you is. You mean to fucking tell me that with all the media coverage that banks are getting, mm-hmm. that somehow manufacturing lost 10,000 more jobs than. And the financial sector did? Well, yeah. And the financial sector includes banks and non-bank lenders, like Lending Tree and everybody else has been laying off. Right. But wow. we got to remember that I think this report here wow. is for, can you scroll down the article? It's for April, right? Yeah, but most of the financial institutions were in March and April. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So, I don't know. should be interesting to see what happens. But what we know is for the next meeting, there will be... Hmm. Let's see. Also on May 10th, CPI comes out. So next week. That that's gonna be that's gonna be a big report for the next meeting. But what we do know is before the next June meeting, they'll have also May's jobs report. And they'll also have May's CPI report as well. You know the day of the next June is the end of the month, right? June, June 13th and 14th. Okay. June 13th and 14th, and after that, July 25th and July 26th. Oh, that's the one that's the end of the month. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? At this point, if the Fed continues this, this process of increasing, it's going to be a fucking bloodbath. I don't see it happening. I mean, I mean, unless unless these reports that come out, we see increases. Right now, there's a 92% chance at them holding. Based on? Chicago Mercantile Exchange. I wonder. What, I haven't checked uh, Bloomberg's world interest probability. I've been so like inundated with just like banking yeah. stuff that I haven't had the chance to, to do things like look at the Bloomberg terminal. So they have... 92% chance of holding, an 8% chance of them increasing, a 0% chance of them cutting. <laughs> yeah, I don't see them cutting anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. Especially based on those numbers we talked about how long they hold for in the past. Remember um, a couple weeks ago we talked about how Apple opened up an account? Yeah. They opened up like, uh, they were number 11. They came out with a rate of like 4.15%. Yeah, with Goldman Sachs. They with paired Goldman with Sachs. Goldman Sachs, yeah. right? Yeah. And you would think during this whole time that that was an interesting time to roll out like a, hey, we have a deposit program. I'm not going to lie, man. Like, I, I feel like weird about it. I'm like, I'm kind of, it makes me a little upset. Why? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's capitalism at its finest. So in the first four days, how much in deposits do you think Apple got offering just real quick, like link, anybody who had Apple card, you just click the link and you can move money. I read the article. So you want me to take an educated guess? Yeah, take an educated guess. $100 million. No, it was $1 billion in high-yield savings account in just four days. Yeah. 
Don't act like you knew when you guessed. I low. did, man. I, it, it was it was, was anticlimactic. All right, guess Apple right. gained nearly one billion in deposits into its new high yield savings account again, four point one five percent in just four days, according to a Forbes report. So it's Forbes, so you know you can't trust it. The <laughs> iPhone maker launched a high yield savings account last month, offering the Apple Card customers specifically that four point one five percent yield. Yep. So you had to have an Apple Card, then you click the little link, and then you, boom, you're open in literally less than five minutes. Right. On the first day of launch, Apple gained nearly four hundred million dollars in deposits 400 million so that's 240,000 high yield savings accounts that represents only 0.2 percent of apple's u.s iphone users so less than one percent you clearly came prepared kudos to you yeah i read the article i I did not i just read the headline yeah so um why this is such a big deal is you know there's more. There's a lot of trust in a company like Apple, which doesn't have as much volatility right now as some of these uh, regional banks do. Ah, there you go. That was the reason why I included it. Is, is I thought, how interesting of a time and opportunity for Apple to do this, where Apple's a name that that I trust. I'm in their ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, we. I have the Apple laptop. I have the iPhone. I have two iPhones. I've got. Mm-hmm. We got how many Macs around here? Yeah, I, I, was actually, I was actually surprised that you you didn't do it just to see what the experience was like. I don't want to open up an Apple card. Yeah. Yeah, you need to have an Apple Card in order to do this. Yeah, so I, I didn't want to open up an Apple Card. I, otherwise, I, pr- I probably would have. Yeah, I, but I did watch somebody else do it. Uh, oh, I know why you didn't want the Apple Card. Don't don't do that. You know why? No. Nope. Go ahead, get mm. there faster. Nope. Come on, mm. Odin. Do you know why he didn't want to get the Apple Card? I didn't want the additional credit pull, right, Arun? No, uh, nope. Nope. He, he he doesn't need that. He's not applying for a house right now. Arun, right, do you know? A, he has a black card. God damn it! And, and what color is the Apple Card? White. Cocaine, actually. <laughs> it's the. The opposite it's, it's of cocaine. it's the opposite of what you like. That's right. I get it. It's a cocaine. It's, card. I mean, it's not a flex when you hand it over. Like, oh look, I got an Apple card. It's really not a flex when you hand over a black card. It's really not. Come on, it's not. There's been maybe one or two times I think I've talked about even on the show that somebody's actually said something or noticed. So it. then, why are you getting that black card tattoo that you told me about? I'm not getting a black card tattoo. You told me why. You said you're going to get it right across your chest. Mm, no. Yep. Yep. No, it must be your other friends with black cards. See how common they are these days? You forget. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. You get me. I'm sure you've got like five or six friends with them. Isn't yep. your friend, your boy Cyrus, have like money like that? Oh. Yeah. If, dude, he, if I, he doesn't have a black card. You know Cyrus has a black card. 100% okay. he does. There you go. So I got, we got to have see? him. We got to have him on the show. Very, he, very common. Yes. He was actually uh, one, of, one of the friends of mine that told me back in the day how much he loved First Republic and that they rolled out the red carpet for him. They did. And yeah. honestly, First Republic was not a bad model. Uh, they're getting demonized right now, but I think they were, uh, they were a good bank. Really? Yeah. Do. He honestly would be a great guest. He would be a show. phenomenal guest. I'll try. I'll reach out to him see if he'll, if he's willing to come on. Can we check to see if he has a black card first? One hundred percent. He doesn't even need a black card, bro. Cash, straight cash. Okay, only. hold on a second. What does he doesn't need a black card mean? You know when you're when you're you're balling that hard to where it's just like it don't even matter. Playing a different game. You know how Floyd Mayweather doesn't have a credit card or anything? Just yeah, like, just straight like, cash. Straight cash only. Okay, let's not use that as a financial <laughs> reference for financial literacy on a show. We're trying to teach people how to make good decisions, okay? Well, clearly we're joking. This is entertainment value. That guy for sure had a beard implant. Oh, 100%. 100%. Pulled straight from his pubes onto his face. Wow. That That is that is it, not it, it looks verified. Like, it looks like it, though, right? It it does not look good. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have gone with um, with that reference because I value our listeners and I don't want to... Oh, my goodness. I don't want to discuss who, them. Who, who, what have you turned into? I've turned into a smarter man than you, clearly. Yeah. And Arun pulled it up. Floyd Mayweather hair transplant, and they show his hair and his beard. What kind of jacket is that? 
How much do you think you spent on that jacket? More than you want to know. Yeah. It's it your lo- cash. It looks like Margiela. How is his hairline perfect? It's not perfect. It's a little slant in the middle. Yeah. I kind of like him better bald. No, no, it's not. It's only because he's raising his eyebrow. Uh, I can't do that. I got Botox. Yeah. Oh, that's, are you still getting Botox shots? Yeah. How frequent is that? Is that painful? Every like six weeks. Is it painful? Um, I don't really get a whole lot. I get, um, I, so I have a scar here where they, where they, they cut yeah. the nerve. And they, mm-hmm. so I had the, I had a birthmark on my forehead, you know, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. made fun of me, but that wasn't why I had to remove it. I had to remove it because the doctor said that that birthmark, which is a skin discoloration, not a mole, that it could become cancerous later on with sun exposure. And it's really hard to cover your, your forehead. Right. So he's like, at some point we'll remove it. So he removed it, but you can't just cut a circle. You have to cut a top, bottom, and sides, and it winds up being a much bigger scar. Right. When they cut it, they cut the nerve endings that go like down. I can still raise my eyebrows, which they didn't know that I'd be able to do on that side, but mm-hmm. I can't feel a whole lot of pain whenever they do the injections around it. Oh, really? So, okay. so I don't really know how, how painful mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, Interesting. I, mean, I don't do like crow's feet or stuff like that or anything in the place. Mm-hmm. I did do my jaw once for like uh, grinding your jaw at night. That mm-hmm. was a trip. When they stick the needle in, which is a longer needle, into your chin. Yeah. It makes like this crunching sound. Wow. As they inject like your 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 jawline with with Botox. Dude, I remember when so my wife's a dental hygienist and when she was uh studying for her boards and taking all of her exams, what they make the students do is like bring in their own patients. Like find their own patients. Yeah. So what she had to do was she had to get a certain amount of like quote unquote reps in. To like for injections, and Olun and I would go in, and she would. I literally would get injected like four or five times at a time. My wife, uh, uh, registered nurse, she would. Um, she worked at an IV clinic, mm-hmm. and I would get IV bags from her all the time. Yeah, so she'd come home IV bags. She'd like literally just hang it up on like a light and like give me like an IV at home, like just for rehydration. She'd have like been my minerals and vitamins or whatever. Yeah. Them, you know. Once I'm sitting there, I'm watching television with her. She has my left arm hooked up. I look over my left arm, and my my entire vein running from across my left arm mm-hmm. had turned like black. Oh my god! And I'm like, ah, get it out of me, get it out of me! I'm freaking out, right? Yeah. What happened? What was it? I something crystallized in the vein. The as soon as it hit the, some, I don't know what hell, what the hell happened, but my vein was bruised for like the the year. Oh my god! And it was like dark, and even today, if I'm lean enough again, which I'm have I'm you ever used one now. of those things like after being like intoxicated? An IV bag? Yeah. Yeah. How does it, do you feel like you're recovering like quickly? I honestly didn't feel like that much better. I like, mean, is it worth, is it like worth like the money to do? So we went, I think the one time I did it, we went, and I don't really drink like that very often, but we did it with the idea that we were going to be able to get an IV the next day. Yeah. So we went out drinking and I had had a lot of water that night. I had a lot of water in the morning. Mm-hmm. By the time we actually got to the IV place, I was relatively sober anyway. Oh, I see. But I mean, it certainly feels cool, and it's like relaxing, and you can make like a like a thing out of it. But truly, if you want to be hydrated, that's not the, that's not in my mind the best way to get water in your system. Just drink water. No, obviously, you wouldn't, that's not what you want to bank on. I'm just saying. But if you needed it, bank on. Yeah, bank on. You saw what I did there. I just see what you did there. Chosen one. All right. Well, chosen one. You have anything else you'd like to share with people tonight? I got nothing. Just that. Uh, for the record, I'm, I'm up on your own shoes tonight. Minus one, plus one. No, that's not true. The Sakai's that that site is wearing. Please show the camera. Legacy. Oh, no, um, can, they, can the camera see what's going on here? They look great from the front, but camera, like Saeed, they got a, one, yeah. they've got a big booty. <laughs> so the back of them stick out in, in a really odd and perplexing I way. Love, I love these. I want these in every colorway. Yeah, well, we can get those for you. Yeah. 
I'm gonna have to upcharge you for ugly shoes, though. Come on, man. You got two tongues, man. <laughs> so do the Travis. What's your point? They don't have two tongues. Yeah, they do. No. Are you sure? Yeah. You know, that's how I know you never worn them yet. I haven't worn them yet. I think I think my my Travis do. Mm. One. All right, we'll see. I know I've got like five pairs of them, bro. I know I know it's one. Oh, you're gonna feel really bad when I find out that there's two. Wax. I don't know if the shoes for Adam are gonna arrive before the show. Oh, is he gonna is he gonna hear this? He doesn't listen to the show anymore. I don't know. But oh, that's it. So Said pulled it up. Let's end the show on this. So this is the Star Wars by Wes Anderson trailer called The Galactic Menagerie mm-hmm. that has been making the rounds on social media, and I fucking love it. So let let's say goodnight now Wait. and then we'll play this. Also, real quick, when this Odun, uh when does this episode drop? Next Thursday. This will be episode one. No, no, no. This episode's gonna this episode's gonna drop Tuesday. We don't drop episodes oh, yeah, on Thursday, yeah. Chief. Yeah. Only Tuesdays thanks. and Fridays. All right. It does not ask him about episodes dropping. <laughs> I'm literally looking so, at the date. When this see, episode I know it's three minutes away from my When this episode's right. drop, we will be at Mind Pump. Oh yeah. On the ninth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is episode one forty? This will be this is one episode one thirty nine. No, because the last one's one thirty nine. One thirty eight is the one that's coming out tomorrow. Let me double. Let me. Yeah, who cares? It. Whatever. Let Let's play the Galactic channel. Menagerie. Uh, say, say say goodbye now, and then we'll play this. Good night, everybody. Let's do a little like a Star Wars theme one. What's what's a Star Wars theme one? No. <sighs> everybody, good night. <laughs> a little R two D two. That was that was terrible. No, that was that was backwards. Yoda Yoda no, says no, things no, backwards. No, no, that <laughs> that everybody good night. Yeah, good night everybody. Then doesn't he doesn't he like flip the sentences usually? So he's I said backwards. Should I just mute him? Yeah, I just muted Mike. But go ahead and play the clip. Dumbass, yeah. That was terrible. Far, far away, prepare for a reboot like never before. This summer, Wes Anderson brings you a side of the Star Wars universe you've never seen before, the Galactic Menagerie. Join this ragtag crew of unlikely heroes as they navigate the absurdity of the cosmos, challenge the Empire, and redefine what it means to be a rebel. Our mission is simple. We steal the Emperor's artifact, save the galaxy and maybe find ourselves along the way. For this mission, we'll need lightsaber, blaster, thermal detonator, paper airplanes, spare parts, and R2-D2. With a star-studded ensemble featuring the galaxy's most eccentric cast, the Galactic Menagerie is the most delightfully offbeat Star Wars adventure yet. Starring Timothy Chalamet, Scarlett Johansson, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, William Defoe, Adrian Brody, and Owen Wilson. Wow. Coming to theaters this summer, may the force be with you. How awesome is that? Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.